right, well, guys, I'm excited to continue a series that we're doing called The Little Things. And uh, if you've missed any of that, that's okay. I'll kind of catch you up to speed. But basically what we're doing is we're focusing in on something that's really important. And that is if we don't take care of the little things, bad things can happen. Come on, is that, isn't that true? Matter of fact, we know that if we take care of the little things, good things can happen too. And so being faithful to the little things, whether you're a mom, whether you're in business, whether you're an athlete, whatever it is, making sure that you're taking care of the little things really does matter. And so the way that we've been approaching that through this series is we've been looking at very specific questions that we need to be asking ourselves so that we might address the little things, so to speak, so that we might be able to grow into the people that God desires for us to be. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been taking our temperature, so to speak. You know what I mean? Taking your temperature to see what's really going on. What, what, what kind of temperature do you have in your life? And so the questions we've asked so far are, how in love with Jesus are you right now, really? So that's the first question we did in the first week. The second question is, where do you need God to refresh you right now? Because the truth is, we all need refreshing. And so I don't know if you've answered those questions. I hope you have. If you have it, you can write those down or you can go and check them out online and, and, and really begin to dig into those two questions. But today, we're going to introduce a new question that I think is going to be helpful to us as well. And so here's the question. You ready? I'll give it to you right at the front if you promise not to leave, okay? Here it is. What's blocking the flow of the Spirit in your life right now? Now, if you're like, what are you talking about? What's a Spirit thing you're talking about? Hey, I get it. I know sometimes when you come to church and preachers start talking about stuff like that, you may not know what I'm talking about, but, but I do want to say, one, I'm glad you're here. And two, I believe that as we go through this message, you'll have a better understanding of what I'm talking about when we talk about this spirit that I'm kind of referring to, okay? And so just hold on. I promise it'll start to make a little bit more sense. But here's the question again. Come on. What's blocking the flow of the spirit in your life right now? I remember when I bought my first house, my wife and I bought this house in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come on. And uh, (laughs) some of you are like, yeah, great. (laughs) And uh, one of the things that happened is that the line that was going to our house got clogged. And so, you know, the underwater line, you know, that does all the stuff that it does. <laughs> and that, that's very technical, isn't it? And uh, I had to dig up that line and work on getting it unclogged. I don't know if you've ever done that, but that, that is not an easy job. You have to dig down deep in, and find the line, and then you have to somehow cut into the line and get rid of the roots and all the things that have grown into it. And it is a nasty job. It is not a pleasant job. And so when we go to unclog things in our life, come on, it is not always a pretty sight. It's not always, matter of fact, sometimes it's gross, it's dirty, sometimes it smells really bad, and you get to this place where you're digging and digging and digging. But here's the thing. You do it because of what can happen on the other side of it. Do you see what I'm saying? You do it, you're willing to do the dirty work, so to speak, 
to be able to get the flow back. Because if we don't have the flow, we don't have what we need. And so in our lives, we need a certain flow that's happening in our lives so that we can live out the life that God wants us to. Because do you not know this, that it's too hard to do it on your own? It's too hard. And so we have to have God in our life to be able to do these things. And so here's the question again. Come on, here it is. What's blocking the flow right now? What's blocking the flow of the Spirit in your life right now? And so what do I mean as it relates to the Spirit? Listen to this. In John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, Jesus is speaking and he says it this way. This is what he says. He says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, listen to this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Isn't that good? Let him come to me and drink. So if you're thirsty today, if your flow is a little off, Jesus says, come to me. Matter of fact, he says, believe in me. So he doesn't just say, show up. He says, believe in me. And the Bible says this. The scripture has said this. Look, look. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So in other words, that that as you come to Jesus, as you believe on Jesus, living water will come to you. Come on. How good is that? And so when we talk about the flow, when we talk about the flow of the Spirit of God in our life, there is a flow of water, living water, that is attached to each believer. But sometimes roots can get in the way. Things can get clogged up. But the Bible clearly says that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, that you have a spirit in you, and that spirit is intended to be connected to God. And when it is connected to God, this is the best part, there is a living water that flows from God to you. Friends, that is good news. Because we need that kind of water in our lives. See, water is a symbol. Listen to this, listen. Water is a symbol of the spirit. So in the Bible, when you see the metaphor or the use of water, oftentimes it's relating to the Holy Spirit or to the Spirit of God. And the Bible says very clearly that if we believe, there will be a flow. If you believe, there will be a flow in your life. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a a flow? Well, it means to move freely, right? From one place to the other. That there's a steady, unbroken stream, unhindered, steady movement. You get it? And so when we talk about being clogged up, we, we, we get the difference. We understand the metaphor that there's not a flow, that it's being inhibited, that, that, that it's a, a broken stream, right? And so this picture is what I want you to kind of put in your brain today as we think about what it looks like for us to get our flow back. You know what I'm saying? To get our flow back, because that's what we need. And so what in the world can block our flow? You know, I've talked about roots and and nasty things that get clogged, hairballs, right? What is it? What is it that, that blocks our flow? 
Well, there's a couple of things that the Bible very clearly describes as things that can block the flow of the Spirit in our life. And so I'm going to give you three behaviors that can block the flow of the Spirit in your life. The first is this, and this is important, grieving the Spirit. Grieving the Spirit. What what does that mean, to grieve the Spirit? Well, it simply means that in our life, when we have unconfessed sin... What can happen is it creates a barrier or something that is inhibiting the flow. Now, it doesn't mean that God's like mad at us, okay? It doesn't mean that somehow he's down here and he's just got his magnifying glass and putting it up to the sun and burning all the little ants. You know what I'm saying? It's not that at all. It's that, that, that sometimes what happens is disobedience or sin in our life can get in the way of the flow. And if we ignore that, What can happen is that flow might be interrupted. And the thing I I know this is true is that it's not that God is saying this to you. Hey, I want you to go back and examine every sin you've ever done in this world ever. Like, it's not that. It's not that God's like, hey, reach so far back. You know, matter of fact, make a list. Make a list. I want you to know all the bad things you've done, right? Like, I want you to enumerate them so that you know how wormy you really are, right? See, it's not that at all. It's not about that. Because you know what I've discovered? Is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, there's there's, there's more than likely a good chance that you know exactly what it is. That it's not unclear. That there's something that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you and said, hey, we need to deal with this. And he does it as a loving father. He comes to you and he says, son, daughter of mine, this is causing a flow issue. And we need to get it right. And he comes to you with his, just, I mean, in the most gentle of ways. And says, can we get that right? And the question is, is what are you going to do with it? And so sometimes when we grieve the spirit, the flow can be affected in our relationship with the spirit. Number two is quenching the spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to quench the spirit? Well, I'll I'll say it this way. Silencing or ignoring the spirit of God. I like to refer to it as like like if if you have this metaphor of like if you had a hearing aid. Yes. Say you were were struggling to hear, and so you went and you got fitted for a hearing aid. Uh, This hearing aid would help you hear, right? But the thing I know about hearing aids, if you are hearing impaired, is you can turn them down. And if you turn them down, you don't hear. Matter of fact, I remember this old guy telling me (laughs) that he did that with his wife. Like he'd sit there and he would be watching TV and he'd just turn it down. Isn't that rude? Isn't that so rude? He'd just turn it down so he couldn't hear his wife. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's horrible. Why did you do that? But what happens is we ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to you. I, this is what I love. Slow it down, all right? So there's something that you're about to do. The Holy Spirit comes to you very gently and says, hey, don't do that. Right? It's very gentle. And, and you say, well, I hear you. I hear you, but, but you know, it sure looks good. And so, 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 so you maybe, maybe you ignore the Spirit of God. You walk a little closer to that thing. And the Spirit of God comes back again, and maybe this time just a little louder. 
hey, don't do that. And you're like, well, you know, it sure looks good. And maybe you turn him down just a little bit. Maybe not all the way, not all the way, just a little, just a little. But then you move towards it again and the Holy Spirit says to you, hey, don't do it. And at that point, you're just like, you know what, I'm doing what I want. And you turn that thing all the way down. And you begin to walk towards the thing that you want. And you know what happens is the Holy Spirit says, okay, I'll be right here when you come back. When that doesn't work out so well for you. When you find that the thing that you're searching for is not going to make you complete. The thing that you're looking for is not going to quench the thirst that you have. I'll be right here. You see what I'm getting at? And so the Holy Spirit comes to us and what we can do is silence him or ignore him. And this is one of the things that can break our flow. Number three, number three, is that we're resisting the spirit. We're resisting the spirit. Let me ask you this. Where has the Holy Spirit told you to do something that you are currently not doing? Where has the Holy Spirit very specifically said, hey, I want you to do this? And your answer is, Nah, I'm good. Or how about this one? Maybe later. I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. Or, or, or my wife had this great message uh, yesterday uh, at prayer and fasting. And, and she talked about how we say to God, I know, I know. I know, I know. It's like you come to church and you hear the preacher saying all the things that he says and you're like, I know, I know. I got it, I got it. But she said there's a huge difference between saying I know and doing something with it. There's a huge difference saying I know what you're saying, God, and then doing it. And so sometimes we'll just say, I know, God, I know, I know, I know, I know. But God says, hey, it's not just good enough for you to know. It's that you have to do something with it now. Listen to this in Acts 7, Acts 7, 51. Luke is writing and he says this in verse 51. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now that is mean, mean, isn't it? He's like, you are stiff-necked, you are uncircumcised in heart and ears. I don't even know how you do that. If you know what I mean. So what is he saying? He's saying that there's an area of your life that is undedicated to the Lord and you have dug in and the fact that you've dug in is a problem. And he was specifically speaking to Israel at this time, but I also think he's speaking to us today. Are you dug in somewhere that you shouldn't be? Have you said no to the spirit of God? And I'm just telling you, he still loves you. He's still pursuing you, but he's sitting there saying, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, Because guess what? God doesn't change. He's not changing his mind. Whatever he said is what he said. And he will sit there until you're ready. But what happens is the flow of God gets affected and we're unable to do the things that God has called us to do. Matter of fact, when you lose water, if you're a plant, eventually what happens? You die. See, the Bible says we have to be connected to God. Matter of fact, the Bible says abide in the vine. Yes. And when we abide in the vine, we will produce fruit. But if apart from the vine, we will never produce any fruit. So we have to be connected to the source in order to get this flow right. Now, I don't know if you know this about yourself, 
But the Bible clearly teaches that you are a triune being. Now, what does that mean? Well, have you ever heard of the Trinity, right? You've heard of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible would say that you're the same. The Bible would say that you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. Does that make sense? You have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Now, what's the difference? Well, the spirit is the part of you that connects with the divine. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, and the seed of your will. Does that make sense? And then the body is your body. You can see that. And so you know what your body is. Now, why is that important and why am I bringing it up? Because what happens is when we get out of order in our lives, what can happen is the flow will be affected. If we are not strengthening, listen to me, if we are not strengthening our spirit, it will affect our mind, our soul, our bodies. God has designed you to have a strong spirit so you can tell your soul and your body what to do. That's the order that God wants you to live with. What can happen sometimes, though, is when, we, uh, when our flow gets affected, listen, when our flow gets affected, it then affects our spirit. And then our spirit, man or woman, can't tell the others what to do, if that makes sense. And so if you're tracking with me, here's the idea. The spirit is the electricity. Get this. So your spirit is the power. Your spirit is the electricity. Your body, come on, and your soul are the filament. The filament has no purpose without the electricity. And so we need to have the electricity, the spirit of God, in order to make sure that the filament is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And when the flow gets interrupted, what can happen is it affects your mind, doesn't it? It affects your will. It affects your decision making. It affects your feelings, doesn't it? It affects your body in all kinds of ways. And that's why this is so important that we see. Because if we don't have the electricity, we can't make sure that the filament is bright. So, here's the thought. Did you know that a believer can be poisoned? Now, I know that sounds really harsh, right? It's kind of scary. Like, okay, wait, I don't want to get poisoned. But, but, but it's true. The Bible says that we can be poisoned, that we can be poisoned. What are you talking about, pastor? Well, here's what I'm getting at, is that what can happen is the enemy will come into our lives and do certain things that lead to us experiencing what you might call a poisoning or a flow problem. Does that make sense? Now stay with me. This is so important that we get this. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with, sorry, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to what? Quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So, so wait, so there's darts. What are you talking about? We're not playing darts. See, the Bible says that the enemy throws things at you. Okay, the Bible describes them as darts, and these darts have the ability to poison our lives, poison our minds, poison our soul, poison our spirit, poison our bodies. In Jesus' name, you with me? So you see what's happening? You get the visual. That's not good, right? If, if somebody's shooting poison darts at you, what you going to do? You're going to run. <laughs> You're going to say, no, please don't shoot me with the poison dart. But the Bible says that you've been given the shield of faith. 
And the shield of faith is designed to keep those darts from penetrating your skin, to keep you from ever being poisoned. And so he shoots these darts directly at believers, directly at believers, and he is trying to aim for your spirit because if he can get your spirit poisoned, he can poison everything else. And so he shoots sorrow into your life. He shoots sadness into your life. He shoots suffering and grief and heartbreak. He shoots these things into your life. And the question is, is what do we do with them? Because see, this, 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 these darts that the enemy is shooting at us creates what might be called a sorrowful spirit. Do you feel sorrowful today? Have you had experiences or bouts with maybe an ongoing sorrowful spirit? The Bible says this in Proverbs 18, 14, listen. But a wounded or sorrowful spirit, who can bear it? What's the Bible talking about? It's that we can't carry it. And the more we try to carry it, the more it destroys us. The more it starts to steal what God is trying to give us. And the more we embrace these darts, a sorrowful spirit can come upon us. And we then... We then start to experience what I might call a poisoned existence. See, see, we ascribe sometimes to God that this is kind of normal. In other words, to be sad isn't necessarily a sin, right? It's not sad to mourn. It's not a sad, it's not like if someone in your life dies or something goes on, of course you should mourn those things. So it's not that the Bible's saying you should never do that, but the Bible is saying that you should never be controlled by that. That what happens is sometimes, and, and here's where it's subtle. Can you, everybody, everybody listen. This is where it's subtle, and I need you to get this. Sometimes what happens is the enemy will take a good thing. Like, for example, mourning. Mourning is not a bad thing. We should mourn those that we lose. But what he does is he sneaks in. He sneaks in, and when he sneaks in and shoots that dart, the dart is... You are going to continue in this state of sorrowfulness forever. And we buy it and we take it. And what happens is it starts to affect us on levels. And I'm just saying to you, it's possible that you've been poisoned. Because God's goal for you is what? That you would experience abundant life. That you would experience a life that is abundant. And that's what he says in his word. And so what happens is sometimes Satan shows up and he starts shooting darts at us. All kinds of darts. And we start to become hard. We start to become stubborn, narrow, selfish, unforgiving, disobedient. And see, these darts keep coming. And sometimes we even become narrow. become self-righteous. There's all kinds of byproducts of this, and sometimes we even become proud. And these things start to consume us, and God says, hey, wake up, kids. That is not my plan for your life. I love the way that Watchman Nee said it. If you don't know who he is, that's okay. He was a very famous Chinese leader. But he said it this way. Watchman Nee said, ordinary, a believer should have the shield of faith for quenching of the flaming darts of the evil one. Okay, so he's, he's being very clear that you need your shield of faith. 
But then he says this. This means that he should exercise a living faith. Not a dead faith. Not a poisoned faith. But a living faith. Living water. Yes, the flow is good. Living water to oppose the attacks of the enemy and should trust in God's protection. But then he says this. This is so good. He says, faith is our shield. It is not our extracting pliers. Get that. Faith is our shield. It's not designed for extracting the poison. He says, it is for quenching the fiery darts and not pulling them out. So the goal of the shield of faith is to keep the darts from getting to you. But once they're in you, you got a problem. And he goes on to say this. He says, if believers are hit by the darts, they should, listen to this, they should immediately remove the cause of the fiery darts and take up an opposing stand. What's the cause? The result. So whatever you're feeling that's opposite of what God is wanting for your life, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's this, stubbornness, sorrow, whatever it is, whatever the cause has happened in your life because of these darts, he says you should remove them, listen to And take an opposing stand. So can this be done passively? Do you notice the war that's going on? That there are things coming at you in this world. Isn't it true that when you walk out this door and you go out into this world, like you may love it right now. You're like, oh, this is great. We're singing. We're worshiping. It's awesome. I feel the presence of God. And then you go out into the world and what happens? You start getting hammered. By all kinds of things, all kinds of challenges are coming your way. Difficulties, right? And here's the question. How do you stay strong? How do you keep those things from getting to your spirit? You have to hear what I'm saying. He says they should immediately reject everything from the enemy and pray for God's cleansing. That you should say, no, I will not have this. I'm removing it and I will stand in opposition to it, if that makes sense. Whew. You're like, man, pastor, that's a lot of work. I know. But let me ask you this. Do you want the flow strong in your life? And here, here's what I know about you. You do. But sometimes you got to put in the work. You got to tend to the little things. Because if you don't take care of the little things, these kinds of things will happen. So how do we do it? How do we get unclogged? I've got a couple of things I'm going to say and then we'll be done. A couple of things. Here's a kind of a big idea. Beating a cookie habit doesn't start at the pantry. It starts at the store. Does that make sense? I know, I know, it's simple. But if we put the cookies in the pantry, there's a better chance we're going to eat them, huh? So, so what can happen is we'll go to the store and we'll buy the cookies and we'll put them in the pantry and we'll be like, well, I'm only going to eat one. And then you have a bad day. And you eat all of them. And you feel so bad. And your body is now poisoned with sugar and all the stuff that, you know what I'm getting at. See, see, see what I'm getting at is that, that we have to start somewhere. 
And that somewhere has to be uh, far enough away from the thing that we're trying to beat. We have to make sure we get this. So just, just for a moment, let's, let's talk about purity for a second. See, the Bible says that God is holy and he desires a holy people. So, I mean, that's what he says. Uh, so what that means is that Jesus brings holiness into our life. But part of our job is to make sure with the shield of faith that we're monitoring that, that we're working hard to keep that right. And I don't know about you, but, but you can insert whatever you want into this that I'm about to share with you. It could be purity. It could be anything. But let's just, let's just talk about it. And I'm going to talk about it maybe in relationship to speech for a second. Purity. Because isn't it true when we think about purity, we only think about sexual purity? But it's also purity of our mouth. Because I've found that Christians sometimes use their mouth in ways that aren't helpful. Amen. And so in order to get unclogged, we've got to do something. We've got to examine our ordinary speech. We've got to examine our speech. Now, now, perhaps what you're saying is true. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're having a conversation with someone or you're on the Twitter. Is this how you do the Twitter? I don't know. You're on the Facebook. Whatever it is, your speech, right? You're writing, you're speaking, whatever it is. And, and the truth is, if you look in the Bible, you'd say, yes, the Bible says this, so I am right. But what happens is sometimes the way that we deliver our right is wrong. See, there's a criticism or a critical spirit that can come on us. And so we're communicating truth now, but with no love. And I would say to you, Christian, you're wrong. If that is how you're handling it. See, our speech matters. If we speak with criticism or condemnation or wrath or jealousy, what's happening is there is something lurking behind your truth. And that lurking is what's coming for you. That's where the poisoning starts to happen. And so we have to always be concerned about those things. I heard it this way. Sin is not only an act, but also a condition. It's not only an act. In other words, I make, I do this, but it's also a condition. What do I mean? There's a condition or a motive or something lurking behind it that's deeper inside of you. Does that make sense? And so that condition is what God is interested in addressing as well. See, the spirit behind all of the actions are important. Because I've found that love without truth is meaningless. And truth without love is just plain mean. Christians, so important how we watch our speech. Here's one for you. This is one I've been thinking about a lot. How's your tone? How's your tone? Like, do you ever get testy? I know y'all do. I've heard you. Some of you gotten testy with me. You know what I mean? You're having a bad day. You come home and your wife's like, hey, sweetie, can you take out the trash? And you're like, yes, sweetie, I would love to do that. Like, that's what you say. But you really say something like this. Woman! I just got home. Can I just, can I put my bag down first before you start into me? <laughs> you probably never said that. <laughs> or how about this? You think it. 
See what I'm getting at, guys? See, how, how I speak, and what we do is we always give ourselves a pass. I'm just having a bad day, so, honey, it's okay. No, it's not. Our tone matters. Purity matters to God. When we speak, we speak on behalf of who? God. We are his representation to the world. And the things that come out of our mouth matter. And so we have to examine our speech, don't we? And so wherever there's a blockage, what can happen is we lose our vigor as believers in Jesus Christ. We start to get weak. And that weakness eventually starts to affect us. And we cannot let this happen. We have to fight so that make sure that we are strong for the Lord. Number two, number two, is we speak aloud and pray with authority. What do you mean? So, so when something comes along your way, something situation shows up, Watchman Nee says you got to speak to it. you got to take authority over it. And so what I'm asking you to do is speak words of rebuke over whatever it is. Say no. Like you're saying, Pastor, are you saying that I should say it out loud? Yes. And if you're afraid to do it in front of people, go into your secret place and say it out loud. Say it. Say, I rebuke this spirit of this. I rebuke that selfishness. I rebuke that poison. I I rebuke unforgiveness in my life. I rebuke it off of my life because I don't want it anymore. I'm pulling those darts out. I will not. And you guys are like, you do this in your house? Yes. Of course. Because again, if we don't, what happens is we start to take this passive approach to our life. I don't know about you, but if I'm throwing down the darts of the enemy, I can't be like this. Hey, dart. I'd like for you to remove yourself now. No, I got to take authority. I got to stand in the victory that Jesus gave me. Come on. Jesus said he beat all of these things. So I got to stand up and rebuke those things and then stand on the victory of the cross and that the sin has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. Death has been defeated. All of these things have been defeated. And I have to stand on those promises of God. And so I am victorious in Jesus name and I will speak it out loud and I will take authority. And the next thing you know, this stuff will run. It will no longer keep coming your way and the enemy will be like, dang it. They got that one figured out. I'm coming back with something else. And you put on the shield of faith and you say, you ain't getting in next time. (laughs) That's two. These last two are a little simpler. Number, number, Number three. Crucify every no and give Jesus an unqualified yes. Obedience increases your flow. You have to crucify the no's. And give Jesus the blank check that he deserves. And so, the unqualified yes will lead to a flow in your life that maybe currently you're not experiencing. Obedience leads to that flow. And I love how 1 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Paul is writing and he says, and he's encouraging the church there. He says, and we take captive every thought, right? To make it obedient to Christ. My life, my spirit, my mind, my body is intended to be obedient to Christ. And as Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. 
See, see, my job is to surrender. My job is to say, Jesus, your way, your will, not mine. And then lastly, number four, we got to drink more water. We got to drink some more water. See, there's a living water that's coming to you from God. He is the source, and anything that's standing in the way of that should be ripped out, torn out, you know. But it's the flow that you need to monitor. And so, guys, you have any roots? Have any areas that maybe have been affected in your life? Maybe you just went through a hard relationship or, and you've got some stuff you've got to deal with? I don't know. But if we don't deal with it, it will affect our flow. And the water that we need that will nourish us starts to get turned down. You get it? The flow starts to be affected. And when the flow is affected, we become weak and our vigor is lost. And if you're weak today, Christian, believer in Jesus Christ, if you're weak today, Perhaps we need to look at the flow. You know, one of the things I love about water is it puts fires out. Some of us got some fires to put out today. And I'm just telling you, turn the whole thing on. Get the faucet. To, some of us like, you know, you turned it down a little bit. You know, maybe this last year you turned it down just a little bit. God says, man, crank that thing up. And allow the water of God to come into your life and those fires that you're dealing with, those problems, even poison. If you flush it out enough, what happens? The poison has to go. Allow the living water to wash over you. And then like in Revelation twenty two seventeen, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come. This is what I'm asking you to do. Say, come. Yeah, right. Say, come, right. Come and let him who thirsts Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I don't know if you want it. I don't know if you think you need it, but I'm telling you, you do. You need the living water of Jesus flowing through your life. And so, God, I pray that you would increase in our lives. Father, that you would increase in our lives. We need more of you and less of ourselves. Living water, would you come and flow in our lives? As we begin to pray together, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it means for each one of us. <laughs> but God, would you convict us in the areas that we need conviction today? Father, wherever, wherever there's something clogged, wherever there's something that's inhibiting us, Lord, would you reveal it today? God, we need you. Just begin to pray to the Lord. Say, God, I need you. God, I hear you. I see you. Lord, would you show me what it is? And as he does, as the Holy Spirit starts to show you, I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you speak to your people? God, would you speak to those that know you and those that don't? God, would you speak? God, would you draw the unsaved to you? 
Would you draw the saved to you? For the believer and the non-believer, God, would you draw us to you? We need you. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd speak. I don't know what the Lord is telling you, but I want to pray specifically for whatever it is that's standing in your way. Whatever has gotten clogged. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that this clog would be released. Father, I, I bind it up. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and that it's coming out of your kids today and that the flow of the Spirit of God is going to begin to come back. It's not going to be a trickle. It's going to be a wave. And so, God, we ask for greater movement of your Spirit in our lives today. God, we need it. Perhaps you're here today and you would say, if you're honest, that you don't really even have a relationship with Jesus. The, the question I asked earlier about how in love with Jesus are you, you would have to say you're not because it's not something that's been a part of your life. You know, the good news is, is that you're here today. The good news is, is that Jesus is here today. And the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Savior and Lord, that he will come in and he will save you. And my heart for you today is that you would take that step of faith. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I just want to ask you a question. Do you know? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? And if you don't, I want to pray for you. If you'd like to do that, what I'd like for you to do for just a second is think about that. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to do something as, a, as, a, as really as a statement of faith. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to just simply raise your hand up. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because one of the things I've discovered is if we are unwilling to raise it up in here, we definitely won't raise it up out there. So I'm asking you to take a state or, or step of faith today. Nobody's looking around. I just want to see it so I can pray for you. And so right now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good, good, good. Okay, you can put your hands down. So church, we're all going to pray together. No, I don't want to point anybody out or make anybody feel weird. And so, so we're going to all pray this prayer together. So I'd love for you to pray this along with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? I surrender my life to you. Will you be my Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? Show me my purpose. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? Come on, let's go.